Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Voices from the Battlefield, part of Waterloo Remembered. The next account is a letter from the Prince of Moskva, more commonly known as Marshal Ney, to His Excellency the Duke of Otranto. It begins, Monsieur le Duc, the most false and defamatory reports have been publicly circulated for some days respecting the conduct which I have pursued during this short and unfortunate campaign. The journals have repeated these odious calumnies and appear to lend them credit. After having fought during 25 years for my country, after having shed my blood for its glory and independence, an attempt is made to accuse me of treason, and maliciously mark me out to the people and the army itself as the author of the disaster it has just experienced. Compelled to break silence, whilst it is always painful to speak of oneself, and particularly to repel calumnies, I address myself to you, sir, as the President of the Provisional Government, in order to lay before you a brief and faithful relation of the events I have witnessed. On the 11th of June, I received an order from the Minister of War to repair to the Imperial Headquarters. I had no command and no information upon the force and composition of the army. Neither the Emperor nor his Minister had given me any previous hint from which I could anticipate that I should be employed in the present campaign. I was consequently taken unprepared, without horses, without equipage and without money, I was obliged to borrow the necessary expenses of my journey. I arrived on the 12th at Loanne, on the 13th at Avesny, and on the 14th at Beaumont. I purchased in this last city two horses from the Duke of Treviso, with which I proceeded on the 15th to Charleroi, accompanied by my first aide-de-camp, the only officer I had with me. I arrived at the moment when the enemy, attacked by our light troops, was retreating upon Fleurus and Gozili. The Emperor immediately ordered me to put myself at the head of the 1st and 2nd Corps of Infantry, commanded by Lieutenant Generals Derlon and Ray, of the Divisions of Light Cavalry, of Lieutenant General Piret, of the Division of Light Cavalry of the Guard, under the command of Lieutenant Generals Lefebvre, Desnouet and Colbert, 
and of two divisions of cavalry of the Count Valmy, forming in all eight divisions of infantry and four of cavalry. With these troops, a part only of which I had as yet under my immediate command, I pursued the enemy and forced him to evacuate Guzli, Fresnay, Millet, and Hepine. There they took up a position for the night, with the exception of the first corps, which was still at Marchenay, and which did not join me till the following day. On the 16th, I received orders to attack the English in their position at Catrebras. We advanced towards the enemy with an enthusiasm difficult to describe. Nothing resisted our impetuosity. The battle became general, and victory was no longer doubtful when, at the moment that I intended to order up the first corps of infantry, which had been left by me in reserve at Fresnay, I learned that the Emperor had disposed of it without advising me of the circumstance, as well as of the division of Girard of the Second Corps, on purpose to direct them upon Saint-Armand, and to strengthen his left wing, which was warmly engaged with the Prussians. The shock which this intelligence gave me confounded me. Having no longer under me more than three divisions, instead of the eight upon which I had calculated, I was obliged to renounce the hopes of victory, and in spite of all my efforts, in spite of the intrepidity and devotion of my troops, my utmost efforts after that could only maintain me in my position till the close of the day. About nine o'clock the first call was sent to me by the Emperor, to whom it had been of no service. Thus twenty-five or thirty thousand men were, I may say, paralysed, and were idly paraded during the whole of the battle, from the right to the left, and the left to the right, without firing a shot. It is impossible for me, sir, not to arrest your attention for a moment upon these details, in order to bring before your view all the consequences of this false movement, and, in general, of the bad arrangements during the whole of the day. By what fatality, for example, did the Emperor, instead of leading all his forces against Lord Wellington, who could have been attacked unawares, and could not have resisted, consider this attack as secondary? How did the Emperor, after the passage of the Sambre, conceive it possible to fight two battles on the same day? It was to oppose force double ours, and to do what military men, who were witnesses of it, can scarcely yet comprehend. Instead of this, had he left me a corps of observation to watch the Prussians, and march with his most powerful masses to support me, the English army had undoubtedly been destroyed between Cachebra and Genappe, and that position, which separated the two allied armies, being once in our power, would have opened for the Emperor an opportunity of advancing on the right of the Prussians, and crushing them in their turn. The general opinion in France, and especially in the army, was that the Emperor would have bent his whole effort The general opinion in France, and especially in the army, was that the Emperor would have bent his whole efforts to annihilate first the English, and circumstances were favourable for the accomplishment of such a project, but fate ordered otherwise. On the 17th, the army marched in the direction of Mont-Saint-Jean. On the 18th, the battle began at one o'clock, and though the bulletin which details it makes no mention of me, it is not necessary for me to say that I was engaged in it. Lieutenant General Count Drouet has already spoken of that battle in the Chamber of Peers. His narration is accurate, with the exception of some important facts which he has passed over in silence, or of which he was ignorant, and which it is now my duty to declare. About seven o'clock in the evening, after the most frightful carnage which I have ever witnessed, 
General Labadoya came to me with a message from the Emperor that Marshal Grouchy had arrived on our right and attacked the left of the English and Prussians united. This general officer, in riding along the lines, spread this intelligence amongst the soldiers whose courage and devotion remained unshaken and who gave new proofs of them at that moment in spite of the fatigue they were experiencing. Immediately after, what was my astonishment? I should rather say indignation when I learned that, so far from Marshal Grouchy had arrived to support us, as the whole army had been assured, between forty and fifty thousand Prussians attacked our extreme right and forced it to retire. Whether the Emperor was deceived, with regard to the time when the Marshal could support him, or whether the march of the Marshal was retarded by the efforts of the enemy longer than was calculated upon, the fact is that the moment his arrival was announced to us, he was still at Vav upon the dial, which to us was the same as if he had been a hundred leagues from the field of battle. A short time afterwards I saw four regiments of the middle guard, conducted by the Emperor, arriving. With these troops he wished to renew the attack and to penetrate the centre of the enemy. He ordered me to lead them. Generals, officers and soldiers all displayed the greatest intrepidity. But this body of troops was too weak to resist, for a long time, the forces opposed to it by the enemy, and it was soon necessary to renounce the hope which this attack had for a few moments inspired. General Friant had been struck with a ball by my side. I myself had my horse killed and fell under it. The brave men who will return from this terrible battle will, I hope, do me the justice to say that they saw me on foot with sword in hand during the whole of the evening, and thus I only quitted the scene of carnage among the last, at the moment when retreat could no longer be prevented. At the same time, the Prussians continued their offensive movements, and our right, sensibly retiring, the English advanced in their turn. There remained to us still four squares of the old guard to protect the retreat. These brave grenadiers, the choice of the army, forced successively to retire, yielded ground foot by foot, till, overwhelmed by numbers, they were almost entirely annihilated. From that moment, a retrograde movement was decided, and the army formed nothing but a confused mass. There was not, however, a total rout, nor the cry of sauve qui as has been calumniously stated in the bulletin. As for myself, constantly in the rear guard, which I followed on foot, having had all my horses killed, worn out with fatigue, covered by contusions, and having no longer strength to march, I owe my life to a corporal who supported me on the road, and did not abandon me during the retreat. At eleven at night I met Lieutenant-General de Noue, and one of his officers, Major Sch Schmidt, had the generosity to give me the only horse that remained to him. In this manner I arrived at Marchenay au Pont at four o'clock in the morning, alone, without any officers of my staff, ignorant of what had become of the Emperor, who, before the end of the battle, had entirely disappeared, and who, I was allowed to believe, might be either killed or taken prisoner. General Pomflet Lacroix, Chief of Staff of the Second Corps, whom I found in this city, having told me that the Emperor was at Charlois, I was led to suppose that His Majesty was going to put himself at the head of Marshal Grouchy's corps to cover the Sambre and to facilitate to the troops the means of rallying around Avenier. And, with this persuasion, I went to Beaumont, but parties of cavalry following on us close, and having already intercepted the roads of Maubeuge and Philippeville, I became sensible of the total impossibility of arresting a single soldier on that point to oppose the progress of the victorious enemy. I continued my march upon Avenier, 
where I could obtain no intelligence of what had become of the Emperor. In this state of matters, having no knowledge of His Majesty, confusion increasing every moment, and with the exception of some fragments of the guard and of the line, every one following his own inclination, I determined immediately to go to Paris by Saint-Quentin, to disclose as quickly as possible the true state of affairs to the Minister of War, that he might send to the army some fresh troops, and take the measures which circumstances rendered necessary. On my arrival at Bourget, three leagues from Paris, I learned that the Emperor had passed there at nine o'clock in the morning. Such, Monsieur le Duc, is the faithful history of this calamitous campaign. I now ask those who have survived that fine and numerous army how I can, how I can be accused of the disasters which it has been the victim, and of which our military annals furnish no example. I have, it is said, betrayed my country, I, who, to serve it, have shown a zeal which I have perhaps carried too far, but this calumny is not and cannot be supported by any fact or any presumption. Whence have these odious reports, which spread with frightful rapidity, arisen? If, in the inquiries which I have made on this subject, I had not feared almost as much to discover as to be ignorant of the truth, I should declare that the that every circumstance proves that I have been basely deceived, and that it is attempted to cover, under the veil of treason, the errors and extravagances of this campaign, errors which have not been avowed in the bulletins that have appeared, and against which I have in vain raised that voice of truth, which I will yet cause to resound in the chamber of peers. I expect from the justice of your excellency, and from your kindness to me, that you will cause this letter to be inserted in the journals, and give it the greatest possible publicity. I renew to your excellency, Marshal Prince of Moskva. Stay tuned to the Napoleonicist, where more instalments of the Voices from the Battlefield series will be released throughout the day.